mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work. This is episode 43. And the countdown is on till episode 50 and the mailbag extravaganza. Uh, don't forget to use the hashtag 50PIW to send me in your questions for that episode. You can also send in your iTunes reviews. I've got the review of the week right here. It's from iTunes user Elmer's Glue. He says, easily one of the greatest things ever created by man. Jono approaches every interview with positivity and knowledge. He guides us through the minds of his guests and always asks the right question. Always super interesting and engaging. Love this show. Thank you, Elmer. You sound like a hilarious guy. Speaking of hilarious guys, this week's guest, it's Ian Preshall, known to many as the co-host of the OK Beast podcast and A Plus Anime. He is an anime enthusiast, and I guess you could say he's a Japan enthusiast because he moved there, and that's why he's on this episode. We usually talk to creative people about their creative pursuits, but this week we're talking to a creative person about something completely different. I'm just fascinated by the fact that Ian picked up his whole life and moved to Japan because to me it seems like such a extreme thing to do you know usually people will holiday overseas if they like the idea of it but he picked up and moved there and just you know moving to England or moving to America or Australia you know the western world is one thing but to learn a new language which he had to do because he didn't grow up speaking Japanese to overcome the culture shock I find those really interesting experiences so I thought that we'd talk to Ian about how he did it, what it is about his personality that made it so easy, and uh, maybe give some advice to other people who are interested in taking a leap like that. Ian's Twitter handle is IanWhyNot, and that's definitely his attitude to life, I think. He's just willing to give anything a go, and that's one of the themes we'll get into on this podcast. So here's Ian Preshall from OK Beast. Enjoy the show. Ian, let's start with you telling me, where did your fascination with Japan come from? A lot of people are in, very interested in Japan, mm. especially people into anime and Japanese video games. Mm-hmm. But I think I think you've gone the, the next level. Above and beyond. <laughs> you, um, would you say? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think so. Um, I mean, I, you moved there. Let this... <laughs> yeah, and that's a whole other thing. Um, but I think my <laughs> fascination started when I was probably like in like middle school. Uh, and it's like you said, like Japanese media definitely introduced me to that culture. Uh, and I think that that was the gateway drug into like learning more about it. Uh, and it just so happened that like when I just like first got introduced into like anime proper, we were like learning about Japanese history and in, in middle school. So uh, it kind of was like this double wave of like, oh, here's like pop culture media that you're watching now. Also, here's like the like a little snippet of the historical like viewpoint of this culture. And when did it turn into more than just something you were interested in as to something that might influence, I guess, the rest of your life in, in many ways by moving there and, and learning the language? When did it start? I, I don't know. Like, the thing is, I have always been a fan of that media, right? Like, even when I was in college and, like, some parts of high school, I was still watching anime and still, like, into that sort of stuff. But when it changed, I think, was when I graduated school. And I, I've, I've told you the story before, but... I was working like a, not a dead end job, but I was working a job I didn't like. Uh, I wasn't happy. And, uh, it turns out I had a friend that was living in Japan, uh, as a teacher. Uh, so, uh, we reconnected and we, I, we were talking about different things and, and turns out she was living in Japan and she offered me a job at her company. And then that's kind of like what motivated me to say like, okay, well, I like anime. I like the history. Am I willing to move over there, learn a new language, like be in a place where I've never been? I'd never even like traveled to Japan before. 
So I was like kind of yeah. taking this massive risk of like, I have no, I don't really know anything about living in another country, at least long term. Like I had been there, I'd been to um, like England, Ireland, Scotland, France, Wales or whatever, like the European countries, but I'd only been there for like two weeks, three weeks at a time. So to do that, to like actually moving there long, moving to a place long term was kind of a, a big jump for me, I think. But I took the opportunity. There must have been so much ahead of you when you first decided that you were going to do this, like learning the language. You know, I don't know how things work with visa, finding a place to stay. Like, how how did you work Mm. through that hurdle? Just step by step, I think. Like, the thing with me is I am pretty impulsive when it comes to stuff. Like, when I see something I want to do, I usually just do it and then I figure it out as I go along. And... I think the best way to just when you have a big task like this, or like when you're moving to another country is, you know, the internet is a big place. And I thankfully already knew somebody who lived out in Japan. Uh, but I, I reached out to like a bunch of pe- people I knew on Twitter and a bunch of people I knew from mm-hmm. Facebook and like asked them like, Hey, do you have any tips of like living in Japan? And then from there, I wrote down a big list of like, all right, I need to work on my visa, my language ability, this, that, and this, that, and the third. And then from there, I just kind of like checked it off part by part. Uh, and try to organize myself as best I can because I know that's like one of my bigger weaknesses. So what's it been like learning Japanese? How long ago was it that you started and, and where are you up to now? So I took a like three-month flash course. Crash course yeah. yeah, like at a at a local university back in New Jersey where I'm from. But I guess the reason why I'm in Japanese school now, like long-term, like language school. Uh, so I'm dating a Japanese girl now. And we we talked about it after we've been dating now for like about a year and a half now, a year, a year and change. And we talked about uh, like the climate of Japanese and American uh, like mixed culture kids. And in Japan, it's a big thing where like American soldiers or American people will come here. They'll have a kid with a Japanese woman or a Japanese person in general. And then they'll move back to their home country or they'll stay here and one of the parents won't speak like Japanese, like the the American person won't speak Japanese. And I always thought that was kind of lame. And as like a, a children's teacher, like a kindergarten teacher, I like met a few of those parents that like didn't know any Japanese. And I thought that, you know, if my girlfriend and I want to start a family out here or in America, I want to still have that connection to her culture. And I feel like that was important to me. And it was important to her as well. So we, I was lucky that I had the financial situation to spend money on going to language school for a year and, you know, put other stuff on hold so I could become, I guess, better acquainted with my girlfriend's culture. Hmm. So what's the difference between the amount of Japanese that you learnt so that you could work in Japan and the amount that you're hoping to have under your belt by the time you finished at language school? It's weird. You'd think that like language schools out here, like when you get hired as a teacher for kindergarten teacher or kindergarten kids or any kids at all, you'd think that they would want you to know at least some basic Japanese, but they really don't. <laughs> it's very strange. Like, and this is to anyone who wants to move to Asia. Uh, most of the schools that I've heard from and that I've talked with, they only require you to know English because that's the only language they want you speaking in the classroom. Hmm. Even though I took that crash course before I came to Japan uh, two years ago at this point, the staff at my last job was was very clear in the fact that they were saying, oh, don't speak any Japanese to the kids. And I was like, wait, what? Why? Like, what if there's a problem? What if there's an emergency? Like, oh, well, we have Japanese staff for that. It's okay. So if you're curious about living in Japan, you don't need to know Japanese <laughs> to come over here. And at how least old to work. Kids? 
I mean, I, I taught a bunch of different age groups, but my, like, specialty, I guess, was kindergarten, like, uh, two to five. Right. So you got three-year-old kids that you're not speaking their native language to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were, there were, like, other, like, support staff, and obviously every school is different, and every uh, Akaiwa or every English school is different, right? But uh, a lot of schools ask you to only speak English, mm. which is crazy. Um, even now, thinking back, that's crazy to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So going back two years, what was that initial culture shock like of being an American, a white American mm-hmm. in Japan, uh, obviously standing out a lot? And not only is there that element of it, but not being familiar with your surroundings. What was that like? I was lucky because I, my language school and like where I lived was pretty close to Tokyo. So the majority of stuff that you see in, in Japanese pop culture, you're going to see Tokyo. You're going to see like mm. some recreation of Tokyo. So I wasn't super culture shocked when I moved over here only because again, I had been like exposed to that sort of media before I came out here, but or the closest thing I felt to culture shock, I think was just the massive language barrier trying to like, if I went to a restaurant and there was a problem with my order or like I needed to do something like, I don't know, like I say I ordered a soup and I needed to like put my dishes away in a certain way, like someone coming up to me and, and speaking very quick Japanese and me just looking at them puzzled, like, um, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll, I'll figure it out. And, like, people using, like, hand gestures to, like, try and explain what they wanted to say to me and stuff like that. And me <laughs> using really broken Japanese to, like, respond to them. I think that was definitely the, the thing that I would attribute to culture shock. But, like, a lot of my friends who have lived abroad, they were like, oh, I missed home. I got really depressed. I, I did that, this, that, and the third. I didn't talk to people. I felt like an outsider. Like, I'm, I guess I'm just either weird or lucky or, like, I guess I, I had traveled a lot before. I really didn't feel that strange, like, standing out. I didn't really feel that, like, depression of, like, oh, I'm away from my home. I miss these things from my home. Or, like, oh, I miss these people or whatever. I, I thankfully didn't feel that. Um, I, I guess I'm just, like, lucky. But I, I think my friend told me this the other day. He was like, oh, do you ever miss anything about America? And I, I, my response was no. And he said, why? And I said, well, I can talk to anybody I want from google hangouts or from from facetime or whatever so like missing people isn't that really big of a deal like you know i can always schedule talking to my parents on facetime or like my friends on facetime in terms of food i mean tokyo is a massive cultural hub in terms of at least for food um Hmm. so you can like i can get new york style pizza i know a place that i can go to like oh if i want like indian food i can get indian food or oh if i want like i don't know like a specific type of food i can get it so I feel like the only thing you really miss is like the geography of where you grow up. Uh, to me, that wasn't that big of a deal. And like, I, I like, sure. ex- I like exploring new places. So like to me, living in a new place was like more of an adventure than it was like a perilous thing where I was like really worried about what I was going to do. Yeah. I mean, you are definitely the personality to pull something like this off, but you must recognize that it would be a bit of a task or a bit of a ordeal for a lot of people to just plant themselves in a new country where they don't know anyone really and adjust to that culture's customs and language like you must recognize that that's not exactly a normal thing to do right yeah <laughs> i guess so um yeah I, don't, I didn't really again i didn't realize that i didn't come to that fruition until like uh i think i i went home on vacation after living here for like i think six months or eight months and uh my dad who's like one of the bravest people i know like people have shot at him before like he's got into like crazy fights in his like younger years and stuff he's like a bar owner and stuff like that he's he's he lives a risky life um or at least he did back when he was younger 
And like, I consider him to be like a rough and tumble Jersey, New Yorker guy. And, uh, he pulled me aside one day after dinner. He's like, you're crazy for going out there. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, you didn't know anybody. You didn't know like these cultural specific things. Like you didn't know if the food was good or bad. Like you, you just did it. You're, you're crazy. And I walked away from that dinner, like in a good way, right? Yeah. Like he, in a good way and a bad way. Um, but I was like, am I crazy? <laughs> Cause I, I, it, it wasn't like looking back to me, at least like it, it didn't seem like a big deal. And like, even now it doesn't seem like a big deal to me for whatever reason, like growing up, like the big things never bothered me. The small things really bothered me. Like the daily stuff, like, Oh, you have to do your homework. You have to do this. You have to do that. Like that stuff, like to me was like the hardest thing in the world, but like quitting a job that I hated, that wasn't big of a deal for me. Like, moving across the country that wasn't that big of a deal mm. for me uh like trying to learn a new language that like it's it's difficult for sure but like it, it's not like as crazy as like what other people said it was going to be like i guess i'm just weird a new alphabet as well yeah right? like three new alphabets that's that's a whole big thing but yeah like I, I don't know i guess um i guess people sometimes are just like wired for different things and like i guess i'm i'm like way better at massive change mm. than i am like minuscule medial tasks i guess i don't know yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying is that you have to be a certain personality to do it or at least as well as you seem to have done it. What do you think it is that prepared you to adapt so quickly? I mean, you mentioned some travel that you've done earlier and maybe mm. those trips you experienced some culture shock as well, but do you think that they were a significant part of leading up to a point where you were so comfortable to do this? Yeah, definitely. So I mentioned before I, I went on these ambassador trips when I was in high school, uh like my freshman year and my sophomore year so i went to england ireland scotland wales that first year and then the second year i went to france italy and malta mm. and then uh, when i was in college i i worked in spain for two months so yeah i guess like traveling sort of prepared me uh for this sort of thing uh, but i think honestly the thing that like propelled me slash prepared me the most for this big move was i was in a situation where I, I, I had like a fork in the road, I guess, if that makes any sense, where like mm. I could continue working at this like hospital job that I didn't really like, that I wasn't happy, or I could do something completely different and see if that works. And in my head, I only had the binary options of like continuing the like stereotypical, like get a good job, like the stereotypical thing you do after college, which is like get a good job, get health benefits, find a girl, settle down, buy a house or whatever. And to me, like, the more I thought about that, that, like, the less and less I wanted to do it. So, like, for me, the only thing that made sense was, like, 180 degrees away from, yeah. like, that stereotypical thing. So, yeah, I think that the, I think expectations are the things that really propelled me to do this, like, crazy thing. And why all these weird things to me seem normal is because the thing that is stereotypically normal is, like, poison to me. I don't, I don't really want to do that sort yeah. of thing. I feel like you're in the right place because <laughs> I think that's what people love about Japan is that it's so different from Western culture and specific little things that seem to be like a focus or whatever mm. it is. Oh, man. I feel like I see a new thing every day. And I feel like, to me, that's like super important. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was like so repelled by that like stereotypical adult hospital job is that mm. like it was like, wake up, go to work, do the same thing for eight hours, come home go to sleep, wake up, do the same thing. And I feel like to me, like I need something refreshing and new, like every day or every week or else like I get bored. Yeah. And we were talking a little about you being the right personality for this, but there's, there's also that element of being willing to, or I guess being happy to stand out because you are 
in many instances, I'm sure the only white guy, the only American, that must create some situations that some people would feel awkward or uncomfortable in, right? Mm. I don't know. I mean, we were just talking before about, like, I, I, I'm dating a Japanese girl now, living with her family now, and I'm, like, trying to, like, assimilate as best I can. And I realized yesterday that no matter how hard I assimilate, like, there's going to be this, this barrier that I'm not going to be able to cross. So I went to a middle school. So in Japanese, the word, it's, it's cultural day when you translate it. But in reality, it's just, like, a a performance day for the uh, for these middle schoolers and it was my girlfriend's cousin's performance day uh, and we go and after the performance all the kids were like outside and like talking and like showing each other the costumes and stuff and uh i was asked to take photos of my girlfriend's cousin in her like costume and all these japanese kids run to my cousin or my girlfriend's cousin and say like oh who's that guy where is he from like does he speak english does he speak japanese asking all these questions and stuff uh, to me, that didn't seem weird just because, like, I kind of came into this with the understanding that I was never going to be Japanese. Like, I was never going to be, even if I became a mm. citizen, even if I stayed here long term, I would never be Japanese. I'll always be American no matter what I do, good or bad, like Donald Trump or Barack Obama, like, no matter what years we're living in, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to be an American because that's where I was born, right? And I didn't come in with the this idea that I was going to change into a Japanese person if I just moved across the country or moved across the world. So, like, these kids were coming up to me and, like, asking me questions in Japanese and, like, asking my girlfriend's cousin questions about, like, oh, who is he? Where, like, what does he do? Why is he here? Like, what's his name? Whatever. And to me, that's just, like, fun. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm the American guy. Like, I'm, I'm the cousin's boyfriend. Like, that's who I am. And, like, I'll answer any questions because, like, so many people have humored me. Like, when my Japanese was really, really, really bad, like, when I knew, like, ten words, like, people at restaurants were really nice and humored me and, and answered my stupid questions. And like when I was living out in the country, like I didn't know where to put my garbage and like a nice old man came and helped me and, and spoke like broken English to help me. So I felt like I have to be reciprocal if I'm going to live in another like society that is not my home society and be as respectful as possible and realize that if people have questions, it's, it's not a like racist thing. It's not a like, uh, stereotypical thing it's just like literally they have no cultural touchstone to compare me to like the the person the closest person they have to compare me to is like chris pratt from the marvel movies or whatever you know what i mean <laughs> so like and like i'm that might seriously be the that. only white person they ever see you know uh, so like i do my best to just stay humble and realize that i'm i'm living in someone else's house you know what i mean mm. like take your shoes off yeah. follow their rules and then like you know yeah. be as respectful as possible it's cool though, because I think a lot of people might feel self-conscious to be in that position, but you obviously relish it and, and don't mind it at all. Is, are there any assumptions that they make about Americans that are, are quite amusing? I'm trying to think of like specific ones. Um, so there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anyone. I I can't think of like any one off the top of my head, but uh, the the one thing that's co like popping up in my mind is so my girlfriend's family they went to America this past summer, like to meet mm. my family and to have like our parents meet. And her brother came to me privately and was like, hey, like, I want to do a really American activity. Can you take me to a gun range? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I've never been to a gun range in my life. And then my dad is in the room when he asks me this. And my dad goes, yeah, let's go to the gun range. And my, my Japanese brother is like, woo, let's go. Like super excited, I guess. And I guess that's like a stereotype that like Americans love guns and we love shooting guns and stuff. Wait, um, you're saying, you're saying Americans don't love shooting of. guns all of a sudden? Wait a minute. I mean, like, I, so 
I call it a stereotype because I've yeah, never yeah. been there. I don't like shooting guns. I don't like guns. So, like, to me, I was like, that's a strange yeah. stereotype. But then my dad turns around and confirms yeah. <laughs> the stereotype and he's like, yeah, let's go. I guess for us, um, that would be like going like, for yeah. a surf or something in Australia. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. surf, but I can yeah. understand people but, might assume that kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, whenever they see, I, I think, like, things that are strange, maybe not necessarily, like, stereotypical, people from America, or at least, like, me mm. specifically, like, I grow facial hair pretty quickly. Like, so, like, when I was working with um, Japanese people, a lot of the Japanese guys I was working with, they couldn't grow facial hair at all. So, I'm, like, working with these kindergartners, like, these two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and, like, I have, like, even after I shave, like, one day or two days later, I have, like, five o'clock shadow or, like, a beard going, and these five-year-olds would come up to my face, and they just, like, rub my face, like, eh, what's this? <laughs> like, speaking in Japanese, like, what is this stuff? Like, why do you have this? My dad doesn't have this, like. Or, like, they would, like, touch my hair because it was a different color. They'd be like, oh, my God, it's, like, it's like it's blonde or it's brown. What is this? It's so different from my dad's hair color. So that's, like, the only thing that I can think of that is, like, a stereotypical thing that, like, Americans yeah. have different colored eyes and hair and they love guns and they're loud and stuff. And like I that. suppose a, a key part of this is uh, the fact that you've fallen in love with a Japanese girl. Did you move to Japan thinking this is something that could happen? Or was it kind of just something that, that did happen? Uh, definitely the latter. Definitely that second yeah. one. Um, because apparently I didn't know this until I moved over here and, or until I decided to move over here that like, there's a like swath of people that like move to Asia with the intent of getting an Asian wife, like a Japanese wife, Filipino wife, South Korean wife, and then just moving back to their home country. I did not know that was a thing or like, uh, it's pretty popular in Thailand too. Um, yeah, definitely like, seen, seen that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I didn't know that was a thing. And, like, to be honest, when I first made the move, my original idea was, all right, I'm, I'll live out here for the length of my contract for 18 months. I'll gain new perspective. I'll, like, figure out what I want to do with my life. I'll, like, figure out the, the job I want to do, and then I'll move back to America. Um, but, like, I think a year into me living here, I met my girlfriend. And hmm. I met my girlfriend, Cowdy. Um, and, like, I was like, oh, this girl's really cool, like. I didn't have the intention of dating, but like, yeah, like, uh, like I'll, I'll date her. And then like, next thing you know, like fell in love. And then like, here I am. Um, it sucks that I'm like pseudo associated with the guys that like move over here with just that in mind. And like, I've definitely <laughs> met a bunch of people since I've been here that have like just that specifically on their mind. Like I've had people come up to me, like after meeting me, they're like, yo, where'd you meet your girlfriend? Like, tell me how you met her. Like, does she have any friends or whatever? And I'm like, I'm like, slow your, I'm like, slow your roll. <laughs> I don't even know you like that. And no, the answer is no. Um, and yeah, I guess the, like one of the reasons why I'm still here definitely is because of my girlfriend and like my plans definitely changed after I met my girlfriend. In fact, like I think I might've told someone this story or, or some people like from OK Beast's story that um, my original intention, like that same month, like that last September when we first started dating was I was going to buy my plane ticket next week. But then I met her and then I was like, ah, I'll just wait another month and I'll see how this thing goes. And then like another month turned into two months and then another two months turned into three months. And then finally I was like, you know what, dad, forget it. Let's not buy the plane ticket. Let's, let's like, <laughs> let's just not. And then like, turns out the plane ticket I did buy was to go home for her to meet my parents. Like that was the next yeah. plane ticket I bought was that. Um, so yeah, things, things change. Keep an open mind, I guess. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, and as much as you say that there haven't been like huge culture barriers there must have been some communication challenges being in such a close relationship with someone from a different culture yeah like all the time <laughs> um it's funny because i i kind of stole this quote from from kind of funny 
um like their whole love and sex stuff series like they're like i've, I've like watched a few of their videos and like the big theme of all those videos is communication yeah and like even when you're you're dating someone from another culture just having the lines of communication open i think are the most important things like so if my girlfriend doesn't understand something, she's like, oh, I don't get this slang term or I don't understand what this means. And like she's working to get her Ph.D. in America right now. So she's applying for school. So like we'll have these long things about like, OK, this grammatically doesn't make sense or like this sentence in your resume doesn't make sense. We just sit and talk about it and we just try and figure it out. Um, and however long that takes, we just we figure it out. Um, and I think just being open and honest with each other, no matter what the cultural difference or your emotional difference or your opinions are. I think that's just the most important part. Yeah. I feel like you'd have to have a lot of patience and like not reacting instantly to what you think they're saying. Because mm. it was, might actually be something else that they mean. Yeah. For both sides, um, of course. Like yeah. there have definitely been times where I've said like uh, like an idiom or whatever, like an, an English idiom, like, oh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder or like something like along those lines. And she's like, what are you trying to say? Oh, you don't want to hang out with me? Okay, fine, <laughs> whatever. And I'm like, no, no, it's a saying. It's a, it means this. And she's like, yeah, whatever. You're you're lying. You're you're making that up. I'm like, no, <laughs> let's Google it right now. Let's sit down and just talk about it and figure it out. Um, and and things like that have definitely happened a bunch. Yeah, like I've definitely gotten in trouble the other way too, where like I said something in Japanese that was like offensive, uh, super rude <laughs> by accident. Yeah, like and like I've definitely gotten in trouble like once or twice from that. But like you just sit down with that person and you say like, hey, like that's not cool, or like oh, like what you meant actually means this. And then like, it even happened yesterday. Like I used this term that I thought was like a playful thing. Like, Oh, you're like, you know, when you're with your friends, you're like, Oh, you're such yeah. an idiot. You're so dumb. Like as a joke, turns out I was actually saying that that person was like a moron. Like you're an actual fucking moron. <laughs> and I was being really rude to this person. And my girlfriend's like, don't say that. That's like the bad way to say it. I'm like, wait, what? I thought it was this way. She's like, no, no, no you have to say it this way. Um, so I think just, Staying humble is definitely important when you're in an international relationship or in any relationship and realize that, like, I mean, like, English is my first language, but it doesn't mean that I'm, like, the end-all, be-all of, mm. of, like, the English-spoken word. Same thing for my, my girlfriend or, like, same thing for the other way around. That, like, just realize that you don't know everything and, and be as nice of a teacher as possible when it comes to that sort That's of good. stuff. So, what's your advice to anyone who is considering moving overseas uh, for work or for an experience or even just considering a really big life change? I think my biggest advice, I mean, like we just talked about this whole thing where like it takes a very special type of person to do this sort of thing. And I definitely met a bunch of people that moved over here and realized that it wasn't for them. Um, so I think that my, my advice or my biggest advice is twofold is I just said it earlier is like to stay humble and realize that you don't know everything. Uh, cause there are a bunch of people that make these big life changes and like, especially the ones that I made, right. And they come over to Japan or they do this big thing and they're like, Oh, I know everything. Don't worry about it. I don't need any help at all. I'm fine. And then they realize that they don't know anything. And then they are like, maybe that's when culture shock yeah. happens, or maybe that's when they realize that they made a huge mistake or something. Um, so try and go into these big experiences, like hoping or start go into these big experiences thinking like, all right, I don't know anything. I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to keep my ear to the ground and, and be as mobile as possible because then I'll never be tripped up. And I guess my second tier of advice is that, listen, if it doesn't work out, if like you're really earnestly not happy, then don't be afraid to walk away. Cause I feel like a lot of times in life and a lot of times in like in these big decision-making processes, people are like, Oh, well, you know, I have to do this new thing and I've already done like 10%. So I have to go through with it. That's it. Um, when in reality, the only person 
<clears throat> that is holding you back is is you and like your perceived limitations. And I think one of the reasons why I even made the move out here in the first place was that I was like, well, I have to stay at that old job. I have to stay at the hospital job. I have to get a house. I have to do this. But then one day I woke up and realized like, oh, no, I don't. I don't need to do any of that. I need to do what I want to do. And I want to do this other thing. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's the biggest, those are the biggest pieces of advice I can give is like, don't, don't be afraid to quit. Don't be afraid to walk away. But then also when you start something new, don't feel like you're the smartest person in the room. Realize that you are in a new place. Be humble. You're in someone else's house. Take your shoes yeah, off. It's good. It's very uh, culturally appropriate. I feel that's a Japanese thing, right? Yeah. 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 And the thing is, I used to do that at my house too, growing up. So, yeah. like to me, that wasn't that strange. <laughs> sure, they've got like a weird handshaking custom there, right? Or they don't shake hands. It's all yeah, not not at all. Pretty much like uh, like yesterday, after the like a real world example, after the the festival, um, like we were uh, getting dinner, and at dinner, I like hugged my Japanese aunt and Japanese uncle goodbye, and they just started laughing, and I was like, what's what's up like i hug my relatives goodbye all the time like it's not a big deal and like in japanese they explain like oh like we don't really hug that much here but we know it's you and we love you as our family members <laughs> so like we just do it and, like it's just what we do with you specifically and i was like oh <laughs> oh okay i like didn't realize i was creating a new custom for them usually it should be the other way around right yeah. but like they think it's like a fun new thing for them to do okay so they were actually they were having a chuckle about it yeah, they're like, oh, our, our nice American relative, you know, he's so sweet. Look at him. You know? <laughs> and I feel like that's a big thing, too, is that, like, if you do, I feel like, again, like, a lot of times, like, people try and enforce their culture on other people um, in, like, a mean way. Uh, at least for me, like, my way of thinking is that, like, you know, don't ever try and, like, push your thing onto someone else. But, like, if someone is, like, receptive to it, then be like, oh, like, it's a fun, like, new thing for everybody to try out, you know? Hmm. So, last question for you, Ian. If you could do anything and know you wouldn't fail, what would you do? You've asked me this before, and the question doesn't get easier. The, multiple, <laughs> like, the, the more times you answer it. Um, I don't know. I'm very, and I'm, I think I'm going to answer it the same way I did last time, is that I'm very fortunate over these past two years that like everything that I've, I've wanted to accomplish, I've, I've accomplished. And I think that especially now after doing language school, I'm confident that I could do anything. I like, it is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, uh, this language school thing. So I think if I could do anything, I would just try and be a nicer person and just try and reach out to people more. And I feel like this podcast is like showing me that I have a lot to, a lot of information to give hmm. for people who want to travel to Japan and a lot, like a lot of, advice I can give to people who want to travel abroad. So I feel like if I could do anything this coming year or this the next thing that I endeavor I go down is just being more present for people that want to make these big life changes as like a source of advice. That's cool, man. It's very what's the word? Selfless of you to say that. I I didn't I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's all reciprocal. Usually people say usually people say, Oh my you know, podcast or YouTube channel would get a million subscribers or something like that. I mean, hey, that's I'm sure you like that's, that too. That's cool too, I guess. If that happens, then why not? But like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the whole theme of me moving over here has been like, you know, reciprocal, give and take. You know, yep. so like I'm really lucky in the opportunities that I have. So I would like to, in the future, 
if anyone if anyone out there if anyone listening right now wants to move to Japan like please hit me up please email me or like anything like that and I want to give I want to give back I think that's the the biggest thing is that when you're lucky always try and give back so how do you say keep putting in work in Japanese uh ganbatteru yeah moskoshi ganbatteru you can just say ganbatteru all right i can't say that but <laughs> there you go so gan ganbatteru ganbatteru you did it. There you go. Keep putting in work. Just keep working hard. That's it. Thanks for listening. That was Ian Preshall from OK Beast. Make sure you check him out on Twitter at Ian Why Not. OK Beast is on Twitter at OK Beast Now. Check out Ian's A Plus Anime as well. I'm on Twitter at Jono himself. And until next week, Gan Bar Teru. <laughs>